Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. Today we're talking about the most Irish of whiskies. There's a lot of history around Irish whiskey, a lot of interesting things to tell you. Including a lot of regulation that people didn't like too much. Mm, so many regulations. Like We, we thought bourbon had regulations. <laughs> Not but, today. Yeah, Irish whiskey. Regulations. So, I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Suggests Irish whiskey is uh, whiskey made in Ireland. What? No way! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? And uh, it's a protected European geographical indication under Regulation 110 2008. Uh, as of the 29th of January 2016, all processes involving Irish whiskey, from production and labeling through to marketing, must be verified by the Irish Revenue Authorities as having conformed to the Department of Agriculture's 2014 file, which specifies the requirements for Irish whiskey. So, if you haven't fallen asleep yet, if it's not made in Ireland, it's not Irish whiskey. Mm, oh, well, <laughs> if it's not made in Ireland and complies with the 2014 Department of Agriculture file, oh, which is long. It's there, There's a lot. Like, there's a lot. So, that, that was a snippet. The, oh, there's so much more. <laughs> I have so much more on this, because it's important. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's not actually Irish whiskey unless, unless they've signed it off as being Irish whiskey. And huh. they don't sign it off unless it follows through everything in the file. Makes sense to me. And... Well, it means that Irish whiskey is going to taste like Irish whiskey. It's going to taste like nothing else you've had, aside from other whiskey. Well, other whiskey and other Irish whiskey. Yeah, because yeah, the, um, the the requirements state that it must be distilled on the island of Ireland, in either the Republic of Ireland or Northern Ireland, made from a mash of malted cereals with or without whole grains of other cereals, and which has been sacrificed by the diastese of malt contained therein, with or without the enzymes, fermented by the action of yeast, distilled at an alcohol strength of less than 94.8% alcohol per volume in such a way that the distillate has an aroma and taste derived from the materials used subject to the maturation of the final distillate for at least three years in wooden casks such as oak not exceeding 700 litres of capacity. Wow. Yeah, and and it goes on because the the detail they go into on what is necessary for a whiskey to be an Irish whiskey is on the verge of the ludicrous. Well, I, I think we need to break that down a little bit because it's a, it's a bit heavy and it's, it's heavy and dry. Yes, yeah. we, we could come back to that. We can revisit it later. Well, the Let's... the one the one thing that in that that stands out at the moment is it has to be stored for at least three years, and that was initially as a compromise between the um, Department of Agriculture and the distillers to. Um, yeah, it's just to balance out the excise and the taxes involved in producing whiskey. I thought that was quite interesting. They, yeah. They decided that they were going to store it for a little bit longer instead of just producing it straight away. I'm not sure why. I couldn't read and didn't see anything about, about why they chose that compromise. But they... Yeah, let's let's get into the history before I give too much else away. Yeah, so yeah, Irish whiskey is one of the earliest distilled drinks in Europe. 
Mm. Started in about 1000 AD. Yeah, it's uh, believed that uh, Irish monks that had been traveling the Mediterranean uh, around that time had uh, learned the techniques of distilling perfumes and after returning to Ireland, promptly found a way to make a drink out of it. (laughs) (laughs) Of course they did. I... Ireland has a big drinking culture just like the rest of Europe. So it makes sense. Yeah. And uh, so after they had um, done that, by the around the 12th century, the, um, the drinkable spirit became known in Gaelic as whiskey beef. I'm sure I'm murdering that. But um, it's a phrase that means water of life in Gaelic and mm. is based on the Latin term aquavitae, aquavitae, which was commonly used during the Middle Ages to describe distilled spirits. And of course, that Gaelic name would later just become whiskey. Yeah. They just kept producing it and producing it until it all seemed to kick off into high gear in the 17th century, where um, uh, it started gaining Irish whiskey started gaining a reputation around the lo- around the world, uh, far more favourable than its Scottish counterpart. And this is in spite of the English con- consequence, English conquest, and subsequent taxation. Yeah, though. An interesting little tidbit that is kind of in the in a part of history we skipped over, but I think is interesting nonetheless. Oh. That the the original drink, the very first Gaelic version, the whiskey bleeg or however it's murdered <laughs> when when I attempt to pronounce it, was um not aged. It was made very differently to, to how it is now. Ooh. It wasn't aged and it was usually flavoured with aromatic herbs, like uh, mint, thyme or anise. So it was more like a uh, it anisette. Was, it was more like a herbal liqueur. Huh. And um, a whiskey liqueur called Irish Mist was actually launched in 1963, which is believed to have been made based on that traditional whiskey bitha recipe. Ooh. Now, I'm not sure if it's still around, but I would be interested to try it if it is. Yeah, me too, because that's something completely different to what we have nowadays. Yeah, that's that's a taste of whiskey history. history. Yeah, took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, so back, back onto the history, though, because um, written records of commercial production of Irish whiskey, which is basically where we where we got to, where they began mm. commercially producing it. The written records are notoriously unreliable, Yeah, especially before the industry was regulated. And uh, even in later years, the production was frequently occurring illegally, so the official records are very inaccurate anyway. Yeah, they, they probably underestimated the sheer amount of whiskey coming out of Ireland. But um, one of the first distilleries, uh, well... One of the first licensed distilleries was Old Bushman's Distillery, which came came into existence, was registered in 1608. It was probably going before 1608, but it was at least registered or licensed in 1608. And uh, it remains the world's oldest licensed distillery, still yeah. in operation to this day. And uh, currently it is owned by Jose Cuevo. Of course it is. And uh, they bought it in 2014. Wow. Before they had it. That's a recent purchase. It belonged to Bernard Ricard and Diageo. Wow. So, so it it's just a giant booze oligarchy at this yeah, point. Yeah, the, the world's oldest distillery has just been passed around like a doobie from <laughs> giant corporation to giant corporation with yeah. each of them enjoying the sweet, sweet flavors. I think it's just a name at this point. Yeah. 
I mean, a name in a building. Yeah, pretty much. Well, a name, a building, and uh, a title, really. The, the mm. title of world's oldest functional distillery. Yeah. And, I mean, as long as it's still producing Irish whiskey, who's going to complain? Yeah, well, and while we're talking about functional distilleries, as of the start of this year, there were 19 whiskey distilleries in operation in Ireland. Only um, 19? 19, though uh, many of them were established too recently to actually have their own spirits ready for sale yet. Right. Like uh, the newest, the Slane Distillery, which was built at the historic Slane Castle estate, and uh, it, it only began distilling at the start of this year. Yeah, so of course nothing's going to be yeah, available yet for for like three years. Like there's hmm. some that were set up in 2015 that will probably start releasing this year, but yeah, quite a few three or less years old. Really interesting, and it sort of mirrors the number of distilleries in Ireland over the last four or five centuries as well. Because from 1608, there was so many illegal distilleries or bootleggers, moonshiners, if you will. And over the years, that number just increased exponentially until the the English brought in the law to start taxing these distilleries. What I found really interesting was that they... So, obviously, I mean, in true history of alcohol fashion, a tax was introduced and the producers didn't like it. No, they did not like it at all. What they what they did, in, uh, in 1661, what they did, what the Crown did, the British Crown, in their infinite wisdom, they introduced a tax on whiskey production. So, in theory, all whiskey distillers in Ireland were to register and pay taxes. There's still a limited official record of whiskey during whiskey distillation during this period because up until 1761, registration was done on a voluntary basis. So, as you know, uh, since being registered involved paying tax, who's going to register? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just nobody did, and they made lots of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, another reason is that those tasked with enforcing this tax were frequently local landlords, and if their tenants were uh, illicit distillers, the distillers would totally just pay their landlords in whiskey. Sounds yeah. like a really good deal to me, to be honest. Yes, I, I wouldn't uh, report that either, probably. Yeah. I mean, back in those days, in the 1600s... Whiskey was on was equal to currency. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and they were getting paid. Yeah, but uh, from a reg- regulatory perspective, the introduction of this law is a historic milestone because it provides a clear distinction between licit or legal and illegal whis- whiskey distill- distillation in Ireland. So, in the 18th century, demand for whiskey for Irish whiskey grew significantly, driven by population growth and demand for exports. So they, um, we, we know this because there's a growth in the amount of duties paid or taxes paid on distilled spirits in this time. But even then, even in the 18th century, legal whiskey production, only, only about 25% of whiskey production, they're estimating, is actually paid for, or actually paid their taxes. Yeah, and of course it's hard for anyone these days to actually know, because apart from the fact that the official records only recorded the ones that were paying taxes, many of the older Irish records were traditionally spoken rather than written. So a lot of details on early production and numbers 
but gone. Yeah, of course. But uh, speaking of early things, though, a lot of people believed, and this is sort of way going back a few centuries here from what we were just talking about, mm. a lot of people believed that Wissy was Scottish. Yeah. But that does not appear to be the case. The oldest known written record of whiskey comes from Ireland in 1405. Hey. In the annals of Clonmacnois, which is, again, an absolute slaughtering of a Gaelic name, <laughs> where it was written, Richard May Rannell, chieftain of Montireculus, died at Christmas by taking a surfeit of aquavitae. That's it. And he says, Mine author saith that it was not aquavitae to him, but aquamortis. Aquamortis. <laughs> the water of death. The water of death. And uh, apparently it's um, the first written record of whiskey in Scotland is from 1494. They got beaten by the Irish. They're not mm, going to like that. By 89 years, too. Yeah, that's a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, that that is a long time. Yeah. And I, I just terribly mispronounced so many Gaelic names. So many names. So many names. Please, please forgive us. Normally, normally Mickle's the, the name genius, the mm, pronunciation genius. But Gaelic, I, I can't, I, I, I can't do... I mean, even the Irish can't really speak Gaelic anymore. If you can speak Gaelic, record it and email it to us, because we'd <laughs> love to hear it. Yeah. Send, uh, stay tuned for our plugs at the end. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's... Um, while we're talking about historical things, we did, we mentioned... That, that's half our podcast. That is, that is. <laughs> we, we mentioned the uh, Bushmills earlier mm. as the oldest distillery, and I feel we should mention them again because they are also the makers of our odd drop. Yeah, we've, uh, we've well, we had a bit of uh, disagreement on what our odd drop was going to be today because I wanted it to be one thing, but it is only, I guess... It, I guess it's a half breed, it's, so it's not entirely Irish. Yeah. So the what we were going to use the Dead Rabbit Irish whiskey. It is made in Ireland, but it's an American company. Hmm. Designed by a couple of Americans. Yeah. With or with the help of an Irish distillery. Hmm. Yeah. With the help of an Irish distillery in Dublin, they produce American-designed Irish whiskey aged in bourbon barrels. Hmm. Which is probably a very nice whiskey. It, it sounds like it. Yeah. But is it completely Irish? Well, I mean, it fits the bill. It it does. I mean, obviously, they couldn't, they couldn't make call it in it... Ireland and sell it as Irish whiskey. Yeah, they couldn't call it Irish whiskey if it didn't conform to all these regulations and laws. Yeah, all the regulations, and it must do. But, mm. I don't know, it didn't feel Irish enough all right. to, to me, which is why we've gone with the, Blook, the Bush Mills Black Bush Irish whiskey. The Black Bush. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's hard to look away from a Black Bush. <laughs> I guess you're right. And uh, apparently it is uh, a deep amber in colour with a rich spice and tea leaf nose. And uh, it's aged in Oloroso sherry casks, which provides a distinct flavour and light body. And uh, it won gold at the 2014 and 2015 San Francisco World Spirit Awards. Mm. So it's a pretty good drop too. Pretty good, yeah. It's a pretty good odd drop. Pretty good odd drop. Um, but I suppose most of our odd drops are actually really quite nice. Yeah. Yes, they, they usually are. So I guess that brings us to our top drop. Yes. Which... The, the toppest of drops. Yes, the toppest of drops, which is the Powers 12-year-old John's Lane Irish Whiskey. And it is a single pot still release of Powers Whiskey. It's matured in a combination of bourbon and Oloroso sherry casks. 
And it's named for the distillery where it was first made, though that distillery, the uh, John's Lane Distillery, has now closed. Oh, that's a shame. But uh, it won the Best Irish best Irish Whiskey and Best Pure Pot Still Irish Whiskey at the 2018 San Francisco World Spirit Awards. The ones that were only a couple of months ago. Yep, the ones that just happened in April. And uh, apparently it has a nose of barley, copper, fresh oak, leather, and juicy fruit with flavors of vanilla dry spice, chocolate, coffee, raisins, and black currants, and a finish of vanilla and drying copper notes. Hmm. Which it sounds like a very complex flavor. Yeah. Not sure why you'd want copper in your drink, but I suppose that's what you're going for. Yeah. If, if that's what they want, that's, hmm. that's what you want to go for. And of course, now we must mention our good drop. Yeah. The thing we're drinking right now. Right now, we're drinking Tullamore Dew blended, uh, triple distilled blended Irish whiskey. It's It goes for about $50 a bottle at our favorite bottle shop and is really quite nice. It's really smooth. I haven't drunk a lot of Irish whiskey before. Actually, not much at all, aside from cocktails. But this is pretty smooth. Mm, The the majority of my experience with Irish whiskey has been in the form of Jameson, generally. Mm. And uh, this is, yeah, comparatively very smooth. Yeah, I wanted to... I I picked this one because I wanted to move away from Jamisons, which is... Everybody knows Jamisons. Yeah. And... I've he- I heard really good things about Tullamore Dew, so I thought we'd give this a go. And yeah, it's it's good. It's you know a little bit above the cut, slightly above the cut, above yeah. the average. So yes, I, definitely. Yeah, I I wouldn't normally spend less than that than fifty dollars on a on a good whisk Scotch whiskey. Um, so it you know it made sense to pick something about that price as well. Yeah, and uh, apparently the Tullamore Dew Triple Distilled Irish Whiskey is uh, aged in Oloroso Sherry and Old Bourbon Oak Casks. Yeah, I, I do, I can pick that slight hint of charcoal in there. There's a very slight, subtle hint of charcoal that you get from bourbon. It, it's more in the aftertaste than the... Than the yeah, know, the, the actual the initial flavour itself is actually quite sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, it sort of mellows into that charcoal flavor. It's 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 really quite nice. I'd pr- I'd give this an 8. Yeah, I I think I would also give it 8 bottle caps. Yeah. It's mm. good. I recommend. It is. It's it's a good drop. Mm. Fits the bill. Yes, and uh I'm going to use that as a segue to other things that need <laughs> to fit the bill. Because as part of this fitting the bill, it needed to meet more of the regulations. Oh, no. Which I didn't finish talking about. <laughs> There's heaps more. Because there are so many regulations. So the distillate can only have uh, water or plain caramel colouring added to it and must retain its colour, aroma, and taste derived from the production process. Mm. And it must have a minimum alcohol by volume content of 40%, so they can water it down, they can add caramel to it, but they can't do anything that changes the flavor from what it should taste like after being distilled. Huh. Which means everything that gives it its flavor must happen during the distilling process. Right. That, um, makes, that makes sense. I mean, how can you control for different flavors if everyone can add their own shit to it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, apparently there are even individual technical specifications for the three varieties of Irish whiskey. Single pot still, single malt, single grain, and uh, blended whiskies are also outlined in the technical file. Mm. 
but um, I'm not going to go into literally, literally huge amounts of detail what? on that, except to say that the use of the term single is only permitted in the name of an Irish whiskey that is completely distilled on the site of a single distillery. Yes, I learned that when I was researching this too, because I'd always wondered what it was. But I, throughout all my research in, in several different kinds of whiskey, no one ever said what it means. And yeah, single malt means that f- that it's from a single distillery, which I'm not sure I well, understand the thought behind that. Single distillery site. Because sometimes a company may have several different distillery locations. Right. But it has to be from one spot. Okay. So they can't, like, have a distillery in, you know, two different cities and distill it both and mix the two together and call it Irish whiskey. No. And call it a single Irish whiskey. Yes, that would be a blended whiskey, Mm. which is what we're drinking here. It's a a blend of uh, two different distilleries or two different kinds of grain that they're using. Yeah. So I suppose that leads us well to um, the regulations on labeling. Well, there's there's one more kind of of whiskey. Oh. It's one more kind. It's called single cask whiskey or or single pot distilled whiskey, which is no blending whatsoever. It's just 100% straight from the barrel to the bottle or from the pot to the barrel to the bottle. With nothing put into it, no, nothing added. No other blends, nothing else. No other whiskey, no water, no caramel. Well, I suppose it it might have extra caramel or caramel colouring or water. doesn't say anything about that, but there's no blending of other whiskies into this drink. Mm, well, they couldn't use the term single if they did. Hmm. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, the the use of things on labels and the naming conventions and things mm. does does bring me back to the labeling regulations. Labeling regulations. Which state that, and I'm not going to go too much into them except for the important things, <laughs> which is that any statement of age on a label must refer to the age of the youngest whiskey used. So if it's a blend, they can't name it for the oldest whiskey. They have to name it for the youngest whiskey. So if it's a blend nice. of a five-year and a ten-year... They have to call it a five-year because yeah. that's the youngest whiskey used. Yeah, it, it makes sense because the flavors and lack of maturity are going to uh, destroy the complexities of the older whiskey. Yeah, and uh, the other interesting thing, and the last bit on regulation, is uh, that they are allowed to market and label whiskey with or without using an E in the word whiskey. In the 19th century, they added the E to the whiskey to distinguish themselves from Scotch whiskey. And because there was a lot of uh, Irish whiskey imports into the US, the distillers in the US took the E with them when they started making their own whiskey from corn. Hmm. And then that just became an accepted spelling as is the other one. So if anyone ever tells you you've spelt whiskey wrong... You can tell them they're also wrong. <laughs> yes, because there's two correct ways of spelling whiskey. There are indeed. So let's let's talk a little bit more about history because there's a shitload of history. Because we haven't even talked about pot stills yet and why that's important for mm. Irish whiskey. Right, so we've barely even come into the history of the process behind it, which is... A lot. There's a lot. Huge amount of history. So, the big thing about Irish whiskey is that, is that it is pot-stilled instead of 
what is uh, used with Scotch whiskey, which is a column still or a coffee still. Kofi? Coffee? C-O-F-F-E-Y. Pronounce it how you will. And so, in uh, 1832, a, uh, a guy named Aeneas Coffey, uh, he was the Inspector General of Excise in Ireland, and after leaving the Excise Service, became an Irish distiller himself. And he developed the column still, which is a continuous method of distillation, where the alcohol gets fed into the bottom, and then you pick your... It's basically pot stills on top of each other, each with a slightly higher percentage on it. So if you, you feed as much alcohol as you want into the bottom, much of your as much of your whiskey mash into the bottom, and uh, you take from a higher section wherever you want your uh, percentage of alcohol to be. So if you want a, if you want a 30% alcohol uh, drink, you take it from that particular section. If you want it 90%, you take it from the top section. Um, how it works, I think we explained it in our whiskey episode way back way back in the day. It's like episode number three or something. It was. It was episode four. Episode four. So if you want a rundown of the coffee still, tune into that episode. Um, I won't go into too much more detail on it, but suffice to say that the Irish distillers said, fuck that noise, but the Scotch distillers, the Scottish distillers, they said, that sounds like a great idea. And most of them use the coffee stills, believe it or not. Mm, and the Irish distillers, yeah, threw their nose up at the Irish invention and stuck yeah. with the old school pot distilling. Yeah, it it means that they that the that Irish whiskey has to be distilled in batches as opposed to a continuous production, which I don't know. It probably doesn't make a difference in terms of output, just a difference in terms of just difference in how it's made. Mm, well, and I would imagine a slight difference in consistency as well, mm. where each batch will taste slightly different from the last. Yes. Whereas in the column stills, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it in. all just mixes through together and comes up pretty yeah. much, yeah. The same every time. Hmm. I don't know. It's a little little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, as, yeah. in, as for which is better. I don't think anyone in particular is better. It's just what you prefer. Yeah, and certainly the results are very different flavors. I mean, not just from the way they make them and the regulations and guidelines behind them, but Mm. just in general, you end up with very different flavors because of very different processes and ingredients. Yeah, and Irish whiskey is nice. You can have it in a coffee. (laughs) You can. You can have an Irish coffee. Yeah, and people do. It it hides the the coffee hides the whiskey a bit a little <laughs> a little yeah but uh, if anything this is the perfect thing to be mentioning after our pairing episode because they mm. are flavors that complement each other oh for sure the sweetness of the whiskey and the bitterness of the coffee they they're very very complementary yeah yeah absolutely Irish if you want a slightly sweeter spirit to to sip on. Irish whiskey is the one to go with. Mm, I'd say, yeah, slightly sweeter without mm. going to the brink of sweetness, which is where we find rum. Yeah. Which is a very sweet, yeah. Rum or bourbon both being very sweet distilled mm. spirits. Yeah. 
but they they both have very different flavors. Oh yeah. I don't know if I'd recommend sipping rum. Well, some rums are some good. rums are good. Sipping for that. rums and the the our um was it shrunken head rum? Yeah, that the was, shrunken head was fantastic. Was awesome. Sipping rum. Even and that though, was back in episode five, the yeah. shrunken head. Yeah. <laughs> The Deadhead. The Deadhead. Was it Deadhead? Deadhead. Huh. Episode 5 Notes, Deadhead. I, I just re- remember mm. it as a shrunken head rum. Shrunken head, yeah. Apparently Deadhead rum. My mistake. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, I think we've run out of time. Yes. So, uh, that would mean it's time for the plugs. So, do plug us to your friends. Be sure to tune in next time when we talk about almond liqueurs. Yes, we've L- talked about many liqueurs, but this is a liqueur that you can get your vegan friends in on. <laughs> your nutty friends. Not, uh, they don't have to be overlapping kind of friends. Um, yes, so um, <laughs> do email us. Yeah, send us an email to a good drop at gmail.com. Send us an email if you have any suggestions, uh, comments. Let us know what your favorite drink is. You can uh, also tell us how amazing the drink is that you're currently drinking on Facebook. We are a good drop podcast. We uh, can also be found on iTunes as a good drop. All about alcohol. And, of course, we are at agoodrop.com.au. Yeah, check us out on there or uh, subscribe to us on iTunes or Podbean. No, sorry, it's not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts or Podbean. and Or yes. your favorite podcast app. Yeah, and please, yeah, subscribe to us or follow us. We, we like to know that you're listening. Yeah. If it, you, it helps us. Yeah. Hit that five-star button on Apple Podcasts. We, we really appreciate you listening. So thanks again, and until next time. Cheers. cheers.